And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy 620. Or you're listening to the podcast. You can find the podcast at investinghope.com. You can find it at Podbeam. You can find it uh, at a number of places, uh, wherever podcasts are found, Google Play, iTunes. Uh, we certainly thank you for your support. Today we got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about locally what is happening here in Knoxville, what happened yesterday. Uh, here at a high school that's just been uh, met with tragedy uh, so much from uh, since the beginning of the year. And, and we're going to talk about that, what that has to do with with life and culture and uh, just it's just everything that's going on there. Then we're going to look at uh, some things that are going on nationwide. Uh, the FDA just came out with a big decision concerning the abortion pill. And we talked about the abortion pill quite a bit over the last a uh, month and a half, two months, uh, and it looks like the FDA finally did what we thought they would do when it comes to the abortion pill. And it's not a positive thing, not a good thing. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to look at um, a couple other things that I think is important in terms of Planned Parenthood putting a lot of dollars into a new website, into new political activism. Uh, no surprise there that it coincides with a new president a new president that is friendly to the abortion lobby. And so we're going to talk about that, what that means for pro-life institutions and what that means just in general uh, when it comes to the work of the of the pro-life movement. And so, but let's start first with uh, news out of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, that, that, that I think is important for us to, to touch on. The Knoxville Police Department and Tennessee Bureau of Investigation said one student was killed and a KPD officer was wounded during a shooting at Austin East High School on Monday afternoon. The TBI did not describe the incident as a school shooting, but as an officer-involved shooting that occurred inside the school after police arrived. KPD said officers were called to the school around 3.15 p.m. on reports of a, quote, male subject who was possibly armed in the school. The response occurred after recent shootings in the community that claimed the lives of teens who attended or formerly attended Austin East. And that's right. Since the beginning of the year, uh, four students, uh, either current or former students of Austin East, uh, have been murdered. One student, while leaving school, uh, pulling out of the parking lot, was shot. Uh, he crashed his vehicle, but he died of the gunshot wound. Uh, and then three other students have been killed uh, since the beginning of the year. As well, the TBI director, David Roush, who formerly served as Knoxville's police chief, said officers located the suspect inside a bathroom at the school, saying he was a student. When officers approached the student, the TBI said he shot at the responding officers, hitting one of them. Uh, Roush said an officer returned fire, hitting the student. The student was later pronounced dead at the scene. The KPD officer who was shot in the leg was identified Tuesday as Adam Wilson, a 20-year veteran with KPD and currently serving as the resource officer there at Austin East. Wilson was taken to the University of Tennessee Medical Center where he's recovering from surgery uh, on Tuesday morning. Uh, KPD Chief Eve Thompson said it was very chilling. First of all, to hear that we have an officer down. Second of all, that it was at a school. It's a sad day for the Knoxville Police Department and for our community. Knoxville Mayor India... Ken Cannon said she'd spoken with the officer and he was conscious and in good spirits. She said she thanked him for putting himself in danger to keep students safe. And he responded that he'd rather be hurt than anyone else. 
Quote, my message is that we all need to work together to stop the violence. We are working together with the city, with parents, with the school system, with community-based organizations. We all need to work on this together, Ken Cannon said. KPD is doing their part, and so is the school, but it's a big challenge, and we all need everyone to work on this together, end quote. KPD detained one other person for further investigation. There are no other known gunshot victims, KPD said. Authorities are not identifying the officer. Well, this was, uh, that was the unupdated version. They have now identified the officer. They have not identified the student, uh, that was killed and they have not identified the student that, that was held for questioning. So, so why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because first off, it, it has to deal, do with us locally. So if you listen to this show and, and you are from another part of the country, uh, I apologize, but, but I do think it's important that we talk about local issues when the, it affects us locally. And so this show is aired every single week on local radio in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I think it's important that we discuss this. What does this mean? Uh, what's the answer? You know, I've said before on this show that press conferences aren't the answer. They're not. And I know that we get into a mode where that's the way we communicate. So as political leaders, as community leaders, you hold press conferences so you can get the word out to the media and to the masses about what's happening. But but having a press conference after all of these things occur is not working. I mean, we have we have legislation across the state that – that should be preventing this. I know that a lot of schools, some schools have metal detectors. Most schools, you have to get buzzed in to get into the building. So the question is, how did the student get in the building with the gun in the first place? I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure we will learn that information as the days go on. Why did the student, why did the student shoot at the cop when the cop approached in the bathroom saying, Hey, put the gun down. This was an SRO that has been working at the school, being with the students. Was it gang-related? Was it not gang-related? All of these questions will be answered in the coming days, but what we have to wrestle with as a community, what we have to wrestle with as faith people, what we have to wrestle with as Knoxvillians, as Tennesseans, as Americans, is what's the answer? And, and, and folks, I've had conversations with multiple people over the last four or five months. I don't have an answer. Yes, pray for these families. Pray for these students that that are going to school. They were closed today because of what happened yesterday. But they're going to school, I'm sure, fearful. When's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next tragedy going to occur? They've watched their fellow classmates be gunned down. They now see a a fellow classmate bring a gun to school, shoot at an officer, actually hit an officer, and then officers respond in turn, and now you have another student dead. You have another family having to bury their kid. You have an officer that's a 20-year veteran that that gets up every day, puts his badge on, and, and, and leaves the house with family at home wondering if he's going to make it back. I can't imagine the news yesterday. When the news hit the the social media and TV that an officer was shot at Austin East High School, I can't imagine the family of that police officer thinking, is that my husband? Is that my dad? 
Is that my brother? Is that my son? And then the news hitting and you have family members going, well, hold on. They said that a student is involved. My child goes to that school. Was my child the one that was shot? Was my child the one that did the shooting? Was my child involved? Was my child in the vicinity of what happened? Then you have comments on social media telling, telling everybody that this person was shot and this person was shot. And I saw comments yesterday saying certain people were killed and, and all of that turned out to be nonsense. But think about the fear that is going on right now with these students and families. Then you throw into that, you, over the last few months, we've had drive-by shootings into homes. We've had kids just driving their vehicle down the road, being shot by other kids. Juveniles were arrested just a couple months, maybe a month ago, and, and have been charged with murder. Juveniles. 14 years old, 16 years old, picking up a weapon and and taking the life of their peer. This isn't a gun control issue. This isn't a a, uh, left versus right. This isn't a Second Amendment, uh, you know, how you interpret the Second Amendment. This is a cultural and community problem that we have to wrestle with. The reality is we have neighbors in our city. And this isn't just specific to Knoxville. This is across the country. We have neighbors in our city that are scared to go to school, that are scared to walk down certain parts of the street, that may be scared to sleep in their bed because they don't know if a bullet's going to come flying in their house in the middle of the night. We have, we have young, young people looking for community within gangs. Maybe they find loyalty. Maybe they find that family af- atmosphere that they've been searching for for so long. We have teen pregnancy. We have drug abuse. We have absentee fathers. We have kids being raised in homes with no parents because mom is trying to make a living. Dad may be in jail. Or dad is completely disengaged or or dad's been killed or both parents are trying their best to make a living. You see, we we have to wrestle with this. But, But when we try to have this conversation and we run to our political corners, nothing happens. Nothing. We have organizations in town like Emerald Youth that that have been that have spent millions of dollars, tons of manpower and hours and time and time, and they built fields. They, they're doing everything they can to invest and, and to pour into certain areas of our city, to provide an outlet, to mentor, to love on, to care for, to be a part of. But clearly there's still work to be done. And so, yes, we pray for for these families, but but there has to be a, a calling to something else. And again, I, I wish I had the answer. You know, from a theological standpoint, we this is post Genesis three. This is what sin does. It entered the world and it fractured everything. So you have broken homes, you have poverty. 
You have abuse. You have folks seeking acceptance and, and seeking uh, something through uh, negative means. You have fear. You have angry toward the system. And in many cases, rightfully so. And then on top of that, you have people putting a badge on, being public servants, trying to do everything they can to, to work and be a part of a solution. And then they get shot in the leg. So you have a number of folks involved here. You have principals that are trying to figure this out. You have coaches. You have teachers that are trying to figure this out. And it's going to take a, a group effort of Republicans and Democrats, of people politically engaged and not politically engaged, of people that love their community, that are willing to have the hard conversations. But it breaks my heart to know that young people are killing young people. That young, that a young person yesterday took the, the initiative to take a gun to school. Who knows what was the plan? Who knows who he was planning on shooting that day? Or was it for just protection? I, you know, no one knows. We'll know in the coming days, I would assume. But now you have another young person that's going to be buried in the coming weeks. You have an officer that's shot. That's recovering. You have another officer. I'm not sure if there was another officer that shot the student that he's having to deal with that, but he's protecting his fellow police officer. He's protecting the other people in the building that could have been in the line of fire. You have all these scenarios playing out. And it's heartbreaking. It really is. And so they closed the school today, but are they going back tomorrow? I mean, if you're a student, if you're a parent, and are you going to send your kid back? I don't know the answer to that. Some of these families may not have the ability to, to not send their kid to school. They don't have other options. And so I wish I could just say, here's what we need to do moving forward. It's just going to fix it. I don't have the answer to that. What we do need is men stepping up. We need dads being in the homes. 100% we need that. We need communities coming together, forgetting about politics, and just saying, hey, hey, how can we work together to, to prevent us from burying our children? How can we do that? We find the answer to that question. We're going to see the ball move forward. We'll talk more when we come back. As we continue the conversation today, look, I've said it multiple times on, on this show and in other places as well. When, when we see shootings occur, when we see whether it's shootings at school, mass shootings in a club, uh, you know, in, in a grocery store that we saw just a few weeks ago or, or whatever it may be, we live in a time where we are, we are in the business of dehumanizing each other. So social media has dehumanized us. We, we, we post a picture and we put every single filter on it to the point where if you met that person face to face, you would go that I don't think you're the same person online, you know, because we don't want people to see our wrinkles. We don't want people to see uh, that we've aged. We don't want people to see that we got a little gray in our hair. We don't want people to see that 
that, you know, maybe our house isn't as nice as somebody else's house or maybe maybe our car isn't as nice as somebody else's car. So we we dehumanize each other by posting fake stuff. And then the abortion industry has spent, you know, since 1973 dehumanizing us. Now, how do they do that? They do that by saying it's not a baby. It's not a human. It's not a life. It's a blob. Just get rid of it. Just end the pregnancy. Terminate it. It's no big deal. You're not going to have any effects of it. It's just, this is what we got to do. You have people saying we need to, you know, we got too many people living in this world. We, we need to do something about population control. And, and so we, we spend our time dehumanizing each other. And in politics, if you have a D beside your name or an R beside your name, then I'm going to dehumanize you. <clears throat> because see, you're, you represent something that I don't like. So, so because you disagree with me, I'm going to dehumanize you and, and I'm going to move on and you're not a real person. You represent a thought, an ideal. And so I can say what I want to say about you because to me, you're not a real person, a real human. So we dehumanize each other. And, and so we, we want to get abortion in the schools. We want to have easier access to abortion, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. We want to do all of these things. And so we told generation after generation after generation that, that you don't have value. That your brothers and sisters don't have value. If they're growing in the womb, they're not even a real person. We can get rid of them. So, so you know, if you have Down syndrome, you don't have value. You should be aborted. If you have a deformity, you don't have value. You should be aborted. You know, for a long time, we were saying that women, women empowerment, that was a big deal. You know, I am woman, hear me roar. We were saying all that. And now in 2021, we say, you know what? What is a woman anyway? A man can be a woman. A man can be pregnant. A man can breastfeed. You know, so, so we dehumanize women and then, and then you have men saying, oh, what's, what's masculinity? What, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to be the head of the household? What does it mean to be tough? What does it mean to be strong? What does it mean to be caring? And you have culture saying, well, well, men need to shut up. That's what it means. Especially if you're a white male, you really need to shut up. And so we then dehumanize them. You see where this is going? For a long time, we, we had slavery in this country. We dehumanized African Americans. Then we had Jim Crow, and we dehumanized them even further. And, and so the, the process of, of where we are today is dehumanization of everyone around us. Republicans do it. Democrats do it. Libertarians do it. Independents do it. Christians do it. Atheists do it. Muslims do it. Social media does it. And because of that, I'm not surprised when I hear of a shooting. It has nothing to do with, is it easy to access a weapon or not? No, I'm not surprised because we've spent years and years and years dehumanizing each other. So when we dehumanize each other, if I pull the trigger and your life is ended, it doesn't really make a difference because you weren't an individual that needed any kind of respect anyway, right? We even see that. What, what we have, Prince Philip just died. And you see hateful posts saying, you know, good riddance. You, you see people post things like when Rand Paul was attacked by his neighbor. You saw people saying, man, I wish they would have attacked him harder. wish they would have killed him. You see with COVID, you see even people going, I hope you get COVID and die. Why? Because they have an R beside their name? That's why? See, it's dehumanization. 
When people pass away, we can't wait to spit on their grave. And so when, when this becomes our normal, when this gets into our psyche, then we have become what we detest. And so don't be surprised when somebody shoots up somewhere, when somebody takes a gun to school, when somebody, you know, does whatever. It's not surprising to me because we're now in the business of dehumanization. I mean, I even saw a thing the other day, CNN spent a whole segment saying that, well, nobody on Fox News has had any videos or selfies of them getting the vaccine. Are you kidding me? Talk about virtue signaling. I know tons of people that have gotten the vaccine that didn't post one picture. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't help. The vaccine doesn't take better if you take a selfie. But no, it's because we want to point fingers and we want to dehumanize the other side. And so that's that's where we are. And one of the biggest culprits of dehumanization is the abortion lobby and Planned Parenthood, which is the face of the abortion lobby. And they just created a new website. I'm not going to give you the website because I'm not going to promote their website on my show. But they created a new website that's completely focused, singularly focused on political action. So it talks about Texans with low incomes blocked from accessing care at Planned Parenthood. And then it says, take a stand. And it's got article after article and blog after blog of things they think are important. And it's things like Biden is going to prioritize sexual and reproductive health and rights. And you can sign this letter that we're going to send to him. Sign this petition. Here's another one. Abortion is essential. It's health care. Sign this petition, uh, this, this, uh, petition. Then they got a picture of the governor of Texas and they're saying that he's wanting defund to defund Planned Parenthood and you know they're going to they're going to go after him. They give you voting strategy on this website. How you can be a virtual volunteer, how you can donate, how you can partner. And they're spending millions of dollars in just marketing alone. I was having a conversation today with with someone in marketing and we were talking and, and she was kind of enlightening me on, on a lot of this. And I told her, I said, the marketing budget alone for Planned Parenthood, just the marketing budget, is bigger than every pregnancy center in this country combining our entire budgets. So not just our marketing budgets, but if we took all of the budgets of every pregnancy center in this country and we combined them, we wouldn't even begin to touch the marketing budget of Planned Parenthood. Now, why is that? Part of that is because they get a half a billion dollars a year from the government in reimbursements and other things. So it frees them up. We talked about this a number of times on the show, that budgets are fungible. So it frees them up to do other things. They receive a lot of donations. A lot of celebrities love to show that they're giving a lot of money to, to the abortion lobby. So they do that. And, and, and then they, they have a political action committee. So you, then you have people that are super interested in the politics of it all giving to Planned Parenthood because they know Planned Parenthood is going to funnel that money to a particular candidate and then they're going to, they're going to be able to. So, so if, if you are an individual, you can only give a certain amount of money to a political candidate, but you could give a million dollars 
to a political action committee. And that political action committee can then funnel that money to a particular candidate. So that's what they do. That conservatives do it as well. Don't, I'm not making it out like only the left do this. This is what politics is about. But, but what you see is you see all that money coming in and then they're able to create websites like this and their branding is on point and, and they're very good at what they do. They are. But what they're, what they're doing in this is they are trying their best to, to get ahead of the game. Oh, you, you don't know, you don't have time to do all the research of who you should vote for. So just come to our website and we'll tell you. You don't have time to do all. They even have places where you can click and it says, how much time do you have? Do you have a minute? If you just have a minute, here, we're going to give you all the articles that will take about a minute to read. You have 10 minutes? We'll click on this tab and we're going to give you all the little, the longer articles that we think you need to read. I mean, it's good strategy. But the pro-life community better be prepared for what that looks like for us moving forward. Do we have a plan to combat that? I hope we do. We'll talk more when we come back. That's what I needed today. Huey Lewis in the news can always put a smile on your face. That's good stuff. You know, back back in the day, every summer we would go, you know, when your dad's a dairy farmer, you don't get to go very far for vacation. But every summer we would take a trip to Gatlinburg. Grew up in Middle Tennessee, and so Gatlinburg was always a treat. And so we would go for a week to Gatlinburg. And usually what would happen is the, my parents would let us, uh, they would either buy or let us purchase a cassette to play in our Walkmans on the drive up. So uh, for those of you that are y- the younger generation, we didn't have auxiliary cords. We didn't have DVDs. We didn't have the ability to do any of that. We, we had a, a, a Dodge Caravan three-door wood panel on the side. And I remember sitting in the back with my Walkman, listening to Huey Lewis in the news. And that was my fun time. Uh, you know, and so, so I think it's, uh, I always love hearing them because they take me, they take me back. So right now we're going to shift gears a little bit and look at what the FDA is doing. There's a great article over at National Review talking about this. And, and again, we talked about this a number of times on the show, uh, about the abortion pill. I think I might have even talked about it on the last show. Uh, but it looks like they have gone and done what we thought they would do. So, uh, let's see. The FDA, uh, going on about, uh, abortion. There's an article at National Review that says this. News broke this morning that the Food and Drug Administration, as well as the Centers for Disease Control, are calling for a halt on the use of the Johnson Johnson vaccine after six individuals, uh, and it goes further. At the same time, I'm not going to get into the vaccine stuff. That's why I'm skipping that. Um, at the same time, the FDA announced that it is gutting safety requirements for the two chemical abortion drugs uh, in response to a pressure campaign from pro- pro-abortion activists and Democratic politicians. As FDA officials surely are aware, the drugs used in a chemical abortion carry the risk of significant side effects and complications for women who ingest them. Somewhere between 5% and 7% of women who obtain a chemical abortion require a follow-up surgical abortion because the drugs fail to fully kill or evacuate the unborn child. One survey found that up to 8% of women who underwent a chemical abortion required emergency room admission to manage complications. And yet, because of political pressure from the abortion industry and abortion advocacy organizations, the FDA has altered its safety protocol there heretofore required doctors to to prescribe the chemical abortion drug to women in person. Women will now be able to obtain the two chemical abortion pills via mail, 
after a telemedicine appointment, never having consulted with a doctor in person prior to taking them. In the past, justifying the safety policy, the FDA argued that not seeing a doctor in person to obtain the drugs would make it harder for a woman to access follow-up care later on if she experienced any of the side effects that chemical abortions can entail. It turns out the FDA is perfectly fine with Americans taking on significant health risks, just as long as those risks are in severe in service of expanding legal abortion, not in service of choosing to protect oneself against the deadly disease. So that's why I was talking about the vaccine. If you if you follow what's going on, FDA, CDC have come out and they paused the uh, distribution of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine after six individuals experienced severe blood clotting as a side effect. A side effect. About 7 million Americans have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So six individuals had had severe side effects out of 7 million and FDA came out and said we're going to we're going to pump the brakes now now I think they did the right thing we're going to pump the brakes because that we need to we need to figure out what's going on now there's plenty of there again there's 7 million people that got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that had no side effects certainly not severe but yet six individuals had had severe side effects and so they're pumping the brakes but, but we know the numbers. Somewhere between five and seven percent of women who obtain a, a chemical abortion via a pill have complications where they have to have follow-up surgical abortion. They have to follow up and go to the emergency room. Some people have even died. And at the same time, the FDA is saying we're going to pump the brakes because six people out of seven million had severe side effects to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Yeah, but we're going to take all the, re- the restrictions away when it comes to getting the abortion pill. Matter of fact, you don't even have to see anybody. Just Zoom with them, and then you can get the pill in the mail, take it at home. We wish you the best of luck. That's where we are. Now, why did they make that decision? Well, they made the decision because all the vaccines, out of all the vaccines that we have had, Every year, if you get a flu vaccine, you ever had anybody ask you, hey, hey, which, which flu vaccine are you getting? Who, who's the maker? No, but if you've gotten the COVID vaccine, what do you hear? Well, which ones you get? Did you get the Moderna? You get the Pfizer? Are you waiting on the AstraZeneca? Did you get the Johnson & Johnson? The Johnson & Johnson is just one shot. All the others are two shots. So which one did you get? And, and then we, we talk about, oh, well, this one's more effective than that one, and that one's more effective than this one, and how long do they last? They last, We, we don't know. Because <clears throat> they haven't been in, in operation that long. But but we think they last up to six months, at least in the studies. They're pretty safe, at least in most studies. But then we have this one. Six people out of seven million have severe side effects, and they go, whoa. Now, why did they do that? They did that because all eyes are on them. So media is talking about this. People are talking about it on social media. Everybody's talking about the vaccine. Which one are you getting? Why are you getting it? Should you get it? Should you not get it? I can't believe you're getting it. When are you getting yours? When did you get yours? Are you getting your second shot? Do you have your appointment? Did you just get the one shot? Did you have side effects within 24 hours? Did you take ibuprofen? You see, we're all talking about this. All eyes are on it. So the FDA and the CDC to, to cover their hind end are going, let's just put a pause on this. And at the same time, when it comes to the abortion pill, they're saying, you know what? You don't need to see a doctor, not in person. Just Zoom with them. And 5 to 7%, that number's so low. That's what they would tell you. 
That number's so low of people that, that might have side effects, the people that might have a, a follow-up surgery after taking the pill. That number's so low, you don't have to worry about that. Just have a Zoom call, telemed, telemed call with, with your doctor. We'll ship the, the pills to you in the mail. You know, if you have something going, just give us a call. Take the pills. Take them. You'll be fine. Yeah, we know the studies say 5 to 7% have, have, have to have follow-up surgeries, but you're not going to fall into that category. Now, why are they not taking the same, why are they not using the model that they're using with the, with the vaccine for the abortion pill? Six people, that's not five to seven percent of seven million. It's a, that's a minuscule amount. Now, now those are individual humans that, that should be cared for. Again, I don't have a problem with the CDC pausing that. I think they probably should. It's the right decision. But why do you think they're using a different strategy when it comes to the vaccine as they are to the abortion pill? Because of what I just talked about in the last segment. The abortion lobby have their tentacles in everything political. And the last thing this administration wants to be seen as is someone that's not hardcore abortion proponents. They don't want to be the administration that says you can't get an abortion pill via mail. That's the last thing Joe Biden's administration wants to be. To be honest, I bet Joe Biden doesn't even know the CDC made this decision. The FDA made this decision. I bet he doesn't even know that. But the last thing Kamala Harris wants you to see is that they're not completely pro-abortion. So we're not going, we're not going to restrict the abortion pill getting into your hands for a measly five to seven percent mess ups. Are you kidding? Women's rights, reproductive rights trump everything. And so the money flows, the decisions flow, and that's where we find ourselves. So six out of seven million have, have severe side effects to the vaccine. We pump the brakes. My opinion, rightfully so. Five to seven percent of women that receive the abortion pill have to have follow-up surgeries to, to continue to, to have the abortion. That's not a big deal. That number is so minuscule. We're going to keep mailing you out. We want it so easy for you to get your abortion. We want it to be a one-stop shop. Have your telemed appointment. We'll put it in the mail to you. Our federal government is going to be shipping it out. We're going to get it in your mailbox. You'll be able to have your abortion by the next day. We want it to be easy for you. You see, that's, that's the mindset. That's the mindset. Is it hypocritical? Is it? nonsensical yeah absolutely but they don't care you see it's not about logic it's not about what makes sense it's not about safety it's not about health you see because they believe that abortion is women's health you see when when they took control of the language saying that abortion is women's health well at that point they can do what they want to do in the name of health it doesn't matter what happens because abortion is a right. That's what they believe. They believe that abortion is a, is they wouldn't say God given because they don't believe in God, but they would say abortion is a right. You don't need a baby to hold you back. You can't get your dreams and have a baby. We got to get rid of that pregnancy. 
Who cares if there's some side effects? The, the likelihood of you having a side effect is so low. But yet they see it differently when it comes to the vaccine. I mean, we even see that before Biden was elected. What was Biden and Harris and other Democrats saying? I'm not going to take a vaccine under the Trump administration. Well, guess what, folks? The same vaccine that Joe Biden took and had the picture and all the cameras there was created under the Trump administration. But see, they wanted to play political games. They want to play political games and say, yeah, I'm not going to take it if he's the president. Even though it's the same vaccine, I'm going to take it if I'm the president. You see, it's all about a political game, political theater, and that's what we have with this abortion pill. It's Yeah, we don't want to fight the abortion lobby. They're on our team. They funnel us tons of money. So if they want us to mail out abortion pills, then we're going to mail out abortion pills. If they had their way, they'd hand them out at schools. 100%, they'd have them there for anybody that wanted them. You know, people often joke that the NRA members would say, as soon as you're born, we hand you a gun. Well, abortion proponents are saying, hey, as soon as you can, we think you should have an abortion. Here's your pill. That's the, those are the things we need to wrestle with. We'll talk more when we come back. So as we finish up today, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to uh, to be concerned with. There's a lot to be frustrated with. Uh, and it, even I was having a conversation with my dad yesterday, and he was asking me, you know, we, we usually, our conversations are, are political. So uh, we rant and rave and vent to each other about the politics of the day. And uh, And he said, he asked me a question about, uh, some policies that are happening, and he was like, you know, what do you think? Do you, do you think that uh, that they really want to do this? Or and I said, Daddy, I said, here's here's the issue. Now, now again, I'm lumping a lot of people in together, and and I probably shouldn't, but outside of a handful, the folks in Washington, and again, outside of just a handful, the folks in Washington, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, they're just the they're they're the same. You know, for many of them, the goal isn't to make uh, their constituency happy or, or make their district better. Their goal is power. Their goal is raising money. Their goal is keeping their position. And so that's oftentimes when you see politicians switch parties. They do that because they they've lick their finger, stuck the finger in the air, and they see the wind changing. And they're going, okay, my district is moving more left or my district is moving more right. I need to do the same. And so they do that to keep power. They do that to uh, to continue to stay up there. The folks, the politicians that argue for term limits never term limit themselves. What do I mean by that? Meaning they say we need to vote on term limits. We need to have term limits for senators and congressmen. And we never vote on it. And those same politicians just keep running. When they could say, I, you know, I'm out. I think, I think we should have term limits and I'm going to term limit myself. But see, they don't do that. Now they, they'll say that, it, well, it's because I, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing good work. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you are. But then we find ourselves in these moments where we're just on the surface of things. You're going to hold on. That decision makes no sense. 
But you see, they, they've gotten us riled up. So we don't even stop to say that doesn't make sense. We just go, I can't believe the other side is doing this. It's the same analogy I give over and over and over about the dog chasing the car. There's a lot of conservatives that claim to be pro-life, that take money from pro-life organizations, that vote pro-life, but truly don't want to see abortion ended. They don't. Why is that? Well, they don't want to see it ended because it's a campaign issue for them. They know they're going to get the pro-life support. They know they're going to be able to fundraise on it. So they never want to see abortion ended because if abortion ends, their main campaign staple is gone. And you know what? The the left have the same thing with gun control. There's a lot of liberals. They don't really want to see anything done to the Second Amendment. They like the NRA being there because they know that's a campaign issue. They can send an email out today saying they're fighting for gun control and they'll get millions of dollars in donations and they'll get all the votes. So if they were successful in confiscating guns from everybody in the country, well, guess what? Your number one campaign staple is gone. Now there's a handful of Democrats that really want to see it gone. There's a handful of Republicans that really want to see abortion ended. But the reality is many of them don't want to see either because it's a campaign staple. They can get up and make a good stump speech about that all day long. Stump speeches on taxes don't really work well. Stump speeches on foreign policy, yeah, that doesn't get the, that's not the red meat we're looking for. Stump speeches on the wall, now you're talking. Stump speeches on pro-life and pro-choice, oh yeah, now you're talking. Stump speeches on Second Amendment and gun control, come on. You see, that's where we are. And so they get in front of the cameras and they rile us up and they get us ranting and raving and frustrated and angry. And then what happens is what happens is what, what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Then we start dehumanizing each other. And when we start dehumanizing each other, we get angrier and angrier. And so all I'm saying is as we talk about these issues, we should engage We should write letters, we should email, we should make phone calls, all of those things. We should vote, we should do those things. But ultimately, correcting the abortion issue isn't going to happen in Washington. It's not going to happen for us in Nashville at the state capitol. It's going to happen in our communities. Correcting the, the, the issue that happened at Austin East and the lives being lost and the shootings, it isn't going to happen via legislation. It isn't going to happen in Nashville. It's not going to happen at the city council. It's going to happen in our culture, in our community. Are we prepared to do that kind of work? That's the question we have to answer. I hope we are. We'll talk to you next week.